dear listener, and welcome to episode 4 of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. I'm your host, Dan David, and I would like to say welcome to anyone who may be listening for the first time on iTunes. That's right, everyone. We made it to the podcast section of iTunes. If that's how you chose to stream this episode, it would be great if you can do me a favor and give it a rating, and hey, maybe even a review. Good or bad, I take them all. Anyway, enough of that, for now. This episode will feature two stories centered around the alleged existence of some frightening and unexplainable creatures. We kick things off with something put a hole in our truck, and follow that up with raw hide and bloody bones both of which written by the same author, Christina Mounts, otherwise known on Reddit as LilMama85. Without any further ado, enjoy Something Put a Hole in Our Truck. My boyfriend, now husband, and I decided to go on a road trip to my dad's hunting cabin in northwest Virginia, just a few counties over from Point Pleasant. We packed all our gear into our truck the night before so we can get an early start the next morning. We rise and shine extra early because we couldn't contain our excitement. Our trip to the cabin goes fine. We reach the town that the cabin is near and load up on groceries. About an hour later, We are turning down the dirt road toward the cabin. The cabin itself is about 50 miles back in the boondocks, away from any kind of civilization, so it's a very isolated and creepy place at times. We drive down the dirt road for what seems like forever, then we finally see the cabin. Both of us are tired from the trip and are planning on relaxing by the fireplace and watching some movies. We get everything inside and I start dinner while my boyfriend, let's call him Neil, plans on gathering some firewood out back. A little after 7, the sun was beginning to set, and we make sure all the doors and windows are locked. It's a small one-bedroom cabin, so there are maybe five windows and two doors, This will be important later. After we clean up, we decide to watch Catch Me If You Can on DVD, so nothing scary. I reach for a cigarette, only to find my pack empty. I ask Neil where the carton we just bought was. He tells me it's in the truck, and asks if I want him to go get it for me. I tell him no, and that I'll slip on my shoes and make a run for it. Now, I have always been scared of the dark, and have hated going outside in the dark for as long as I remember. I turn back to Neil, and ask him if he will stand at the door while I go to the truck. He says yes, and makes his way over. I ease outside, and down the steps to the truck. I was reaching in to grab the carton of cigarettes when I hear this sound. At first it sounded like a woman screaming, 
and then it changed to howling. Then it was almost like those two sounds came together to form one very disturbing sound. Honestly, it's hard to explain. It sounded like a demon and a werewolf in one. I make a beeline for the cabin, and I see Neil's face fully drained of color. I push him inside and ask him what the hell that was. It took him a second to answer me, and he says he doesn't know. I've been in the woods, hunting and fishing with my dad and brothers all my life, and I have never heard any animal sound like that before. Just then, we hear it again, only it's near the living room window. Neil makes a mad dash to the bedroom to get his pistol, and I grab my dad's hunting rifle from the closet. I had never been so scared in all my life. I may be a 5'4 female, but I was going to unleash hell on this thing if it tried to step one foot inside. What if this thing does try to come in? I thought to myself. That's when we hear it again. This time at the front door. I take aim at the door, my tiny hands shaking. I kept thinking, oh my god, please help us. Then it screamed again, only it wasn't at the door anymore. It was at the kitchen window. Neil and I stood back to back with our guns at the ready. Then we heard a crunching sound, like metal being destroyed. By then, we were too scared to even move. Finally, after an hour of standing like that, and not hearing anything else, we ease over to the kitchen window to look and see if anything can be spotted. Neil, being taller than me, looked first. Oh my god! It ripped a hole in my truck! He screamed. I looked out of the window to see a huge hole ripped in the door. We then double-checked every window and door to make sure they were locked. We ended up staying awake all night, just listening horrified that thing might come back. Morning eventually came, and we decided to inspect the truck a little closer. Neil went out first with his pistol, and I with my hunting rifle. We get to the truck, and there were claw marks from the taillight to the passenger door. Then a huge hole, like this thing had punched it, we go back inside and call the forest ranger. He comes about three hours later and looks at our truck. With a grim look of concern on his face, he tells us that in the past six months, 12 people had gone missing from the area. On top of that, the farms that are close reported the same sounds that we heard during the night the farms would find their animals either gone or gutted in the morning. He told us it would be wise for us to clear out until they can find the animal responsible for this. 
He told us he didn't want to be up there for a long period of time, but he would wait for us to pack our things and follow us to the main road. We didn't need to be told twice. We tossed our stuff into the truck and practically flew down the dirt road. When we made it back, we thanked him and went on our way. To my knowledge, they never found any animal, person, or thing responsible for all the carnage. We didn't see whatever it was, and I'm glad we didn't. What I do know is that no animal was making that sound. No animal could have done that kind of damage to a truck, not even a bear. Needless to say, we have never been back to that cabin. If you enjoyed that terrifying tale of a stalking, bloodthirsty beast, then strap in. This next one won't disappoint. Let's keep things going with raw hide and bloody bones. The following is an old mountain tale that my great-grandpa used to tell my grandparents. My grandparents told their children, who told me, and now I'm sharing it with you. Back in the 1920s to the 1930s, a mining company moved into the holler where I was born, raised, and still live today. The mining company hired a bunch of young men to go around and test where they should open their mines. The way they did this was by taking black powder or dynamite, dropping it down the seams of the mountain, and eventually making a pretty big hole in the side of that mountain. The young men would then have a look around inside these holes, and the ones with the most seams of coal is where they would try to open a new mine. After my great-grandfather got out of prison for running and making moonshine, he needed a job to support his family. He went to the mining company and spoke to the owner. He was placed with the blasting crew to go look for more seams of coal. The owner had hoped to open at least three more mines in the area. Working on the blasting crew was extremely dangerous, but the pay was the highest you can get at the time. So my great-grandfather did what he had to do to support his family. One day, the crew, including my grandfather, blasted an already open cave. They were not supposed to do this, but the youngest of the crew decided to play around with the explosives that day. One of the crewmen tied the rope they used to keep track of the men entering the holes around his waist and decided to enter this now huge cave hole. The rope is extremely important because the man could get into trouble or the bottom of the hole could fall through with the man. If this happened, the crew members would grab the rope, praying it wouldn't somehow break and pull the man back up to the surface. Anyways, the man entered the hole, crawling, looking around with his light while another crew member fed him the rope. After some time, the man stopped crawling and yelled to the crew that he heard something growling in the cave with him. 
The man in charge yelled back that it was just the mountain settling. After a bit more time, the man in the cave began to scream for help, demanding they remove him from the cave as quick as possible. The crew rushed to the rope and started pulling it with all their might. But something, something stronger than four grown men was in that hole. They pulled and they pulled, all the while hearing the crew members scream. All of a sudden, everything went quiet and all four men fell to the ground. They rushed back up to their feet and began to pull the rope again. And this time, it was light. Too light. The end of the rope came back, covered in blood, without their crew member attached. All four men prepared themselves and made their way into the hole in an attempt to rescue the crew member. My great-grandfather said that there was an awful smell coming from inside like rotting meat and sulfur. Once inside, it wasn't long until they all began to hear a demonic scream coming from deeper inside the hole. It was clear that whatever was making this noise was coming closer and closer to them. They could hear the digging and the screams getting louder and louder. At this, the crew began to run up the hill and make their way back down to where they had parked the truck, all except my great-grandfather. He did something he would regret for the rest of his life. He looked back at the hole. What he saw scared him so badly that he wet himself out of fear. Crawling out of this hole, was something in the shape of a man, but was covered in blood and horns. This thing had massive horns on its head. He said it looked like a man had been skinned, and he was unable to make anything out on the face except for two slits of eyes and razor teeth where the mouth was supposed to be. This thing stood up, and it was massive. It let out another god-awful scream, and that's what broke the trance my great-grandfather was under. He then booked it back to the truck just as the men were pulling away. He barely jumped into the back as they drove off. The crew member driving the truck came out of the mountain trail all over the road, going as fast as the truck would allow. He nearly lost the men on the back trying to dodge a tree and barely got the truck back onto the road. When they arrived back in the mining office, they all jumped out of the truck screaming incoherently. It took the men hours to get stable enough to talk about what happened. My great-grandfather told the boss and the other men standing around every detail of what had happened in those mountains and what he had seen. Naturally, some of the people hearing this grew skeptical, including his boss, and he wanted to take the crew back there and see what had happened. One of the crew started crying and screaming, No, no, I won't go! 
My great-grandfather, on the other hand, found his courage and told the boss he would take him back under one condition. They had to go with at least 10 men that all had to be armed to the brim with weapons. At that point, my great-grandfather said he was scared out of his mind, but he knew he would go crazy if he didn't know what that thing was. Two hours later, my great-grandfather, the boss, and his armed men were making their way back up the mountain trail. After an hour or so, they came back to the spot where the crew had parked their truck the first time. All of them got out and began to climb the hill. At the top, my grandfather stopped and pointed to the hole. He said for them to go ahead, but that was as far as he was going. The boss and his men started to investigate. Blood was everywhere. It looked like a massacre had happened there. The ground, the rocks, and even higher parts of the trees were all covered in blood. The boss was speechless. Then, someone noticed a blood trail. All of them, including my great-grandfather, began to follow it. The trail led deep into the woods, and at the end, they found a rawhide skin of some sort, and the blood gave way to prints. These prints were in the shape of a bear, but also crossed with an eagle. They were massive, and nobody was able to identify what exactly caused these prints. Though it wouldn't take an expert to know that these types of claws can do some heavy damage. What was even scarier was that this thing was now walking on two legs. My great-grandfather looked at the prints for a second, and then his heart sank. The prints of this thing were leading them down the mountain trail, down to where people lived and had animals. He spoke up, telling everyone about it, and they all made a mad dash to their trucks. Whatever this thing was, they had a feeling it was hungry and that it wasn't going to stop until it was full. When they got back, everyone hurried and gathered up their families. Men were nailing boards over their windows, and women were crying as their husbands told them the story of what happened. That night, Men and young boys were armed to protect themselves and their families. Some took to being on top of their houses to watch their livestock. Around midnight, they heard demonic screams coming from the woods. At some point, one of the men's cows was attacked. A man ran out to see what was happening, gun at the ready. He saw the cow down on the ground not moving, not doing anything. Then he began to hear crunching and slurping. He slowly made his way around the cow to have a look. What he saw was in the shape of a man, but he was able to see the bones coming out of its body. Through the blood, he was able to see its horns and claws, massive horns and claws. This thing had gutted this cow and was now eating it. The man was so scared 
that he ran back to his house and grabbed his Bible before beginning to pray to God. My great-grandfather said they had to deal with this thing night after night for a full year until one night they cornered it. They shot this thing full of bullets, but somehow it still managed to get away from them. He swears up and down the thing lived and took to the woods for protection. He said every now and then an animal would still go missing, and that's how he knew raw hide and bloody bones was still out there in the woods waiting for his next meal. After telling us this story when we were children, he would give the warning that if we didn't behave ourselves, raw hide and bloody bones would come for us next. My great-grandfather swore this story was true until the day he died at the age of 93. Did we all learn a lesson today? Something like, if you hear growling, see copious collections of blood, or see something resembling a demon straight from the bowels of hell, either run or grab as many guns as you can and fight like your life depends on it. Because, well, at that point, it probably does. Before we wrap things up, I just want to make another oh-so-humble request for anyone who may be listening on iTunes to give the podcast a rating and a review. I mean, you've made it this far. I assume that means you've enjoyed yourself, or you're gritting your teeth in anger and disgust. Either way, please let me know. Until next time, everyone, remember to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.